Good morning. Welcome. Those of you online, welcome. So glad you're joining with us today. A couple of things before we get started. The first of which is our upcoming water baptism on Sunday, June 5th after second service. It'll be at 1 p.m. Uh, just show up. No need to sign up and we will be set up. Then that sound how rhyming of me, yeah. Uh, also that following Tuesday is our prayer meeting, 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary on June 7th, Tuesday night. So we would really encourage you to join with us and pray with us as a church together. All right, let's get started. This is our prophecy update, first service. We have two services, the first of which is the Bible prophecy update that we do weekly, and then second service is the sermon, which is a verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of James currently. And Lord willing, today we'll finish the third chapter. Uh, actually looking really forward to this particular passage. It's a passage of Scripture that God has used in my life over the years in powerful and profound ways. We're going to look at how it is that we can discern between the wisdom from God or the wisdom from the world. It's the wisdom of God and the will of God. So that'll be live stream at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time for those of you joining us online. And also for those of you online, if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would encourage you to go directly to the website for the uncensored uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, let's get started. I want to talk to you today about the seductive danger of getting too comfortable in this world with everything that has happened, is now happening, and certainly is about to happen. And by that I mean there's this very subtle, almost subliminal sense that with the recent easing of restrictions that we can sort of let our guard down. And the reason this is so dangerous is that it further reinforces this notion that we can make ourselves at home in this world, not our home. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the main purposes of Bible prophecy, other than one coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, this would be it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. One of the main purposes of Bible prophecy is to get us to loosen our ever-tightening grip on this world and the things of this world, which takes our focus off of Jesus and the imminent rapture of the church. It's for this reason that scriptures are replete with passage after passage is this common thread throughout Scripture about being so earthly minded that we're of no heavenly good. And no, I didn't get that backwards. Let me try that again. 
we can be so <laughs> earthly minded, we're of no heavenly good. Now you've heard it said, I think it was Mark Twain who said it, that we can be so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. And I could not disagree more. It is the opposite that is true, for it is those who are heavenly minded that are of the most earthly good. And this is what Scripture says. I'm just going to share with you a few of the many. 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse 15, the Apostle John. Do not love the world. <laughs> or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but Whoever does the will of God lives forever. In other words, um, don't get too attached to this world because it's passing away. Don't dig your roots down too deep in the temporal soil of this world because it's not going to last forever. It's passing away. It's dying. That's how we use the phrase passing away. The world is dying. Why would you want to invest, and as Jesus would say in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thief can break in and steal. Instead, invest in heaven. Be heavenly minded heavenly invested. I think about Isaiah the prophet, who by the Spirit writes that it's the one whose mind is stayed on thee. Oh, it's a local verse. It's a local verse. He will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. In other words, my mind is stayed on Him, on heaven. I'm looking to heaven because that's where my treasure is. And where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be also. Man, I, if you want to accuse me of being too heavenly minded, go ahead. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 20, the Apostle Paul. I love this. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body, can't wait, of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory, our glorified bodies, by the exertion of the power that He has, 
even to subject all things to himself. I think it was, I hope I don't botch this, and I don't know right off the top of my head who said this, but we're not citizens of earth going to heaven. We're citizens of heaven navigating our way here on earth. We're, our citizenship is, a, I'm a citizen not of this world. My citizenship is in heaven. Now, for me personally, I am an American citizen. <laughs> by birth, not by birth, but I got my citizenship, my American citizenship when I was 18, because my parents got their citizenship after being in the country for five years. But so this idea of citizenship, you could say I'm a U.S. citizen, that's fine. But really, I'm a heavenly citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Do you see the, the, the theme here, the common denominator, and the contrast between not lasting and everlasting? passing away and never passing away, temporal and eternal. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. Now, this may help explain why it is that especially more recently, with everything happening in the world, you've lost a lot of Facebook friends and Twitter followers and YouTube subscribers. Should I just keep going on, or you get the point, right? Listen to what Jesus says. If the world hates you, <laughs> you know that it has hated me before it hated you. That's a good thing. And here's why, verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Ooh, beware when all men speak well of you. We're actually going to talk about that in a moment, getting ahead of myself. But if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. The world's going to be a hating on you, and here's why. Because they hated Jesus first. So it's a badge of honor. Well, James 4, verse 4, this is Lord willing next week, as we're going to, Lord willing, finish chapter 3 today. But <laughs> James, and again, I think we're beginning to, at least I hope so, appreciate this about James, just very blunt, very straight up. He says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world 
is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's strong. It needs to be. Because this is the truth. You want the world to love you? Well then, it sounds to me like you want to be a man-pleaser. And it also sounds to me like you fear man, and that's a trap. And if you fear man, you cannot and will not fear God. And conversely, if you fear God, you will not fear man. The world, here's the thing, I was thinking about this. The world's going to hate me, okay. Well, I, I, I want to be liked. I want my posts to be liked. Okay, I'm going to leave that one there. I'm not going to keep harping on that one. But here's the problem with that. The world doesn't like me. Try as you may, the world is going to always hate you and already hates you. So have a nice afternoon. Okay, Pastor, why are you starting out this way? Because I want to hone in on one specific prophecy which, if understood, should single-handedly accomplish all of this. And by accomplish all of this, I mean the realization that this world we're holding on to so tightly is on the cusp of the wrath of God prophetically. What are we doing? Why are we holding on so tightly? You'll forgive the illustration and comparison, but it's really like the world is on life support. And this should have the much needed effect of getting us to let go of this world and get our eyes off this world, and get our eyes on Jesus. And look up. Because Jesus is coming, and the rapture is imminent. The prophecy I want to hone in on is concerning the seven-year tribulation, specifically the global government, economy, and religion. While there are several prophetic passages that foretell this, not the least of which is Daniel, which is a prophecy about the final global kingdom that's going <laughs> to be a crushing kingdom, Daniel 7.23. I want to draw your attention to one verse in particular. We've covered it in prior updates, and it's Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. 
Now this is a prophecy concerning the fall of Babylon. And John writes, the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. And here's why. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. If you'll indulge me, I would like to use two words with this prophecy. First, sorcery, because in the original language, it's pharmakia from where we get pharmacy or pharmaceutical. And I would like to take this, all the nations, and use the word global. So can I say global or world health? I guess that's a yes then. <laughs> Thank you so much. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to explain why it is that this specific prophecy may in fact be closer to its fulfillment than we can even begin to realize. Uh, please, I don't want to sound sensational or be provocative, but I, I do have to confess that this has the propensity to be, and I'll use the expression game changer in every sense of the word. This, this, <laughs> this is a, wow, I've got to take a step back on this one. Am I, am I seeing this right? Seeing what right? Well, we're going to go ahead at this time. And how's that one for a cliffhanger? We're going to end the YouTube and Facebook live stream and redirect you to the website if you're not there already. What follows comes from a 56-page World Health Organization, also known as WHO, downloadable PDF file, we have the link to it on the site, website, with the heading, Ninth Meeting of the Working Group on Strengthening WHO Preparedness and Response to Health Emergencies. From what I understand, this is a draft proposal being referred to as a, quote, pandemic treaty, pandemic treaty before the WHO Health Assembly held in Geneva, Switzerland. And it actually was scheduled to start today, May 22nd, and it will go through this Saturday, May 28th. If approved, it's believed that a total of 194 member states, countries, would cede their national sovereignty to the World Health Organization, seemingly with a stroke of the pen. Now, I did this. You can do this, too. There is some 
debate about the actual number of nations on earth. Some say there are 194. So this would be all the nations on earth. And actually, technically that's correct. However, there are those that say, well, there's actually 197. And here's how they get there. And I only say this parenthetically. Uh, if you recognize Palestine as a country or a state, that would add to that number. And by the way, don't do that. Because <laughs> that's not Palestine, that's Israel. And there's no such thing as a Palestinian, by the way. And the reason why it was called Palestine is because Rome, when they conquered Jerusalem and scattered the Jews, they named it after the arch enemy of the Jews. Who were the arch enemies of the Jews? The Philistines. So Philistia is a transliteration of Philistine hence Palestine. That's why it's referred to as Palestine. It's not Palestine. Okay, I feel better now that I got that off my chest. Grew up all my life being told I was Palestinian on my mom's side. And then I get saved and I realize, oh, no I'm not. Who am I? <laughs> I'm a Christian, that's what I am. So it should be noted that there are technically 194 nations on earth as recognized by the United Nations and of course the World Health Organization. Now we provided a link also to the WHO website that lists all of these nations in alphabetical order. And I want to just read you some that are on that list. Australia, Canada, China, China, Egypt, France, Germany, India, Israel, Japan, Mexico, Russia, South Africa, Turkey, Ukraine, United Arab Emirates, Iran, Republic of Korea, and last but certainly not least, the United States of America, just to mention a few. The point being, all the nations on earth. World health. All the nations on earth, world health. Now hang on to that. This is from page three, paragraph C. Quoting, within the systems and tools category, consistent priority themes include integration of core capacities for emergency preparedness and surveillance strengthening capacity and systems to automatically share real-time 
emergency information, including, get this, genomic sequencing. That's going to come up again. In other words, real-time data that is automatically shared and collected. As it's collected, it's shared automatically, digitally. As part of a, and you'll see this throughout the document, very key, One Health. And by the way, in the document is capitalized, One Health. Hmm. One Health approach. Standardizing forms for information sharing, and this is important, verification of events. Now we've talked about this in the context of blockchain technology, which in its simplest form can be understood as a verification system. So a transaction, or let's use their word, an event, digital event, when verified, then it is added as a block to the chain. But it has to be verified. That's blockchain technology in its very simplest form in terms of understanding. As well as, still quoting, incentive for sharing information of international concern, for instance, indiscriminate travel restrictions, misinformation, and or stigmatization. Hang on to that. We'll come back to that in a moment. This is page 6, paragraph H. Implementation of, here it is again, a One Health approach related to prevention and surveillance. Oh, preventing an outbreak slash pandemic slash spread? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. You probably, doubtless, have already heard the latest. <laughs> Did you hear the latest? It's always a good way to start and get someone's attention. No, what? Monkeypox. Oh. This is from page 12, paragraph 34. It gets worse. Rapid and broad sharing of pathogens for effective surveillance and the timely development of medical response products such as diagnostic, therapeutic, and vaccines. By the way, I did a search. You can do that in a PDF file. And I just searched the word vaccine. It's there 33 times in a 56-page document. Still quoting. Listen to this. It noted the WHO biohub system. <laughs> Biohub system? Hmm. That is currently in pilot phase and requested the need for member states' consultation 
on the co-creation of such a system. Like the B system? Yeah. In particular, its relationship to the existing surveillance instruments and initiatives underway at national and regional levels around the world. Now here, the two highlighted boxes on page 36 say the following, and I quote, who should develop a mechanism for states, parties to, here it is again, automatically share real-time emergency information, including genomic sequencing needed by WHO for risk assessment that builds on relevant regional and global digital systems. That's it. Global digital systems. Biohub. Still quoting, who should develop options to strengthen and, where appropriate, build global genomic sequencing infrastructure to maximize this critical technology as a component of future pandemic preparedness and response. Let me summarize. This is a voluminous document as it relates to the power the World Health Organization will have. Number one, authority to institute lockdowns. Ask Shanghai, China. Number two, authority to restrict travel. Number three, authority to enforce mandatory quarantine. Number four, authority to implement vaccine passports. Number five, authority to surveil, track, and trace. Number six, authority to mandate, mandate testing and vaccination. Number seven, authority to conduct and share genomic sequencing. And number eight, lastly, and this is not exhaustive, authority to censor what they deem as misinformation. And they say also stigmatization. Sounds pretty arbitrary to me. Would you be shocked to know that they're already basically doing this? It's almost like a ratification, a formalizing of that which they're already heretofore doing. Well, please know that this is only a small sampling of all that's in this draft proposal. And suffice it to say, it reads like the book of Revelation. And I, maybe I could even take it a step further and suggest that it reads verbatim like the book of Revelation. 
down to the gnat's eyebrow. And yes, gnats have eyebrows. <laughs> That's how specific it is. You could, in effect, take this document and cross-reference it with specific prophecies and passages in the book of Revelation. And I'll add Daniel to that as well. That's how specific it is. Example, only one, and you know it well. Revelation chapter 13 describes with specificity a digital system that has to be in place, like a biohub, global, world, health, digital system of verification, because how else are they going to know whether or not one has received the mark or not? Because the specificity of the prophecy is such that you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark. Well, how are they going to know whether or not you have the mark? Oh, a bio hub digital verification system that verifies your credentials. Uh, let me, let me ruin your day even more. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this. In fact, I was talking with my son about this. Very interesting. You know how it is that if you um, post something uh, that doesn't go along with the narrative, that you'll get your account suspended? Well, they'll have that control with this technology that's already in place. So instead of having your Twitter, you'll, you'll long for the days that you got your Twitter account suspended. Because in the seven-year tribulation, the technology will be such that they'll suspend your bank account, because you're unverified. We need verification, authentication. Is that right? Oh, authentication. I'm sorry. We, we need that verification in order for you to transact. So you go to, okay, well, I'll just go online and buy it then. Okay. Try logging in. Oh, I forgot my password. Okay, send me a new password. <laughs> you enter email address. Why are you looking at me like that? How many times have you done that? I, I do it all. I, what was my password again? Oh, you don't have to worry about that anymore, because we'll just scan it. That's your credentials to log in. But it doesn't matter even if you remember your password, because you're not verified and you have no access. You can't buy online even. You've been suspended until you can prove and authenticate and verify your status. Does this seem too far-fetched? We've already tasted from this cup, haven't we? And yeah, I know, 
I, I did it myself this last week. It's been so nice. So it's been a breath of fresh air, pun intended, to not have to wear a mask going to the bank or the store. And I have to confess, I'll just be very candid with you, that I actually said to myself, which is why I titled the update this, I, I said to myself, man, I could, I could get used to this. This is nice. This is, <laughs> I'm getting, I could get comfortable with this. It was like the Holy Spirit going, don't get too comfortable. Then of course my wife doesn't help when she starts sending me stuff about how they're saying they're going to impose <laughs> here. So like I said, I'm just going to ruin your day more, but hold on loosely to that breath of fresh air. Don't get too comfortable. And dare I say that that's a good thing. I'll just go back to how we began, and we'll bring it to an end, the way we began. This is the purpose of Bible prophecy. It's to get us to detach ourselves, disconnect ourselves, disenfranchise ourselves from this dying world, not our home. We've long overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home. I mean, all of the prophecies, it should have the effect of, I mean, even if we're holding on to the world like this, it's like these prophecies should have the effect of prying our fingers off of that which we hold on so tightly to. You know how it is when you're not going to be someplace very long, you don't make yourself too comfortable? Now when you come here, we'll say something to you like, hey, make yourself at home, make yourself comfortable, glad you're here. But don't make yourself too comfortable, because we're not going to be here very long. Uh, we're just renting. I mean, you're not going to do home improvements on a home that you're renting, right? I, that wasn't in my notes, as you could probably tell, but for lack of a better illustration. I, this is, I don't own this. I'm not going to be here very long. <laughs> I don't have ownership of this citizenship <laughs> here in this, so why would I invest in it? I'm not going to be here to enjoy it. So have a light touch, and don't get too comfortable. Wait a minute, Paz, what about <laughs> the Christian who is walking with the Lord, and in love with the Lord, and on fire for the Lord, and like the Apostle Paul, nothing moves me. I mean, I'm comfortable in the sanctified sense, regardless of what's happening in the world, because I'm secure in Christ. Praise the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that we all have this proclivity, for lack of a better word, to uh, get too settled in. And this is a good thing. 
because we need those reminders. And again, Scripture is replete with passage after passage saying, you're just passing through. You're, you're pilgrims. You're, I hate to use the word aliens, because it's like, no, seriously, I, I just thought of this. When we first immigrated to America, I was nine months old, and I had an alien card. I'm not an alien, but I was an alien, alien foreign, a foreigner. I'm, I'm a foreigner. <laughs> I'm an alien. I, I'm just passing through. I'm not going to be here very long. So why are you digging your roots down so deep? Why are you holding on so tight? Don't you see what's happening and what's coming? Again, I don't want to be sensational, but if this happens, and I have no reason to believe that it won't, given what I've read and seen and researched, I mean, to say it's a game changer is almost an understatement. Because it's like with the stroke of a pen, I'll use a more modern metaphor, the click of a mouse, if you prefer. All of the nations on earth are going to cede their sovereignty to the World Health Organization. And the World Health Organization, with all the nations on earth, now is in control. And I mean, they can do anything they want, anytime they want. And it's not good. But it is good for us, because it's a reminder. Oh yeah. Actually, <laughs> bring it on. Because if you guys do that, you're, you're fulfilling this. Yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. So if this, if this goes down, we go up. Yeah. I want to go up, don't you? I love how one said it. I have absolutely no problem in my life right now that the rapture won't solve. Yeah, think about that, right? I mean, no more, I mean, no more rent, no more, no more sickness, no more, just no more death. No more cockroaches. I, I'm hoping there's no, never mind. I just, it's a thing. Okay, I'm, I know I'm lightening it up a little bit here, but maybe it needs to be a little bit of levity. But the aforementioned prophecy in Revelation 18.23, and the many prophecies like it concerning this global deception of all the nations on earth is coming to pass even now. And I'll say it again, lastly, at the risk of an oversimplification, 
we're not going to be here very much longer. So don't get too comfortable here. For those who are not born again believers in Jesus Christ, I, and please hear my heart, I would implore you today. Today is the day. You, you can escape, I'm going to use that word, all that is coming upon the earth in the rapture of the church. Because all who are saved, born again of the Spirit of God, when that trumpet sounds, are going to be caught up. In the twinkling of an eye, that's not a blink, that's a fraction of 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 a second, that fast. And we're going to put off corruptible. <laughs> Again, that alone, can't wait for that put off the old body, and we're going to be given our glorified bodies, and we're going to be caught up. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, the bodily resurrection. They're going to rise first, given their new bodies, and then we're going to meet them with the Lord in the air, and forever be with the Lord. That is more real than the comfortable chairs you're sitting on this morning. And don't get too comfortable in those comfortable chairs either. <laughs> that is more real than the comfortable chairs you're sitting in today. What I just said about the trumpet sounding and the dead in Christ rising first, and we who are alive and remain being raptured up, caught up. And the main purpose of these prophecy updates, which is really the main purpose of Bible prophecy, is the good news of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the gospel? Well, the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in chapter 15, the first four verses, says the gospel, the good news is, that Jesus came, He died, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. The first time the Apostle Paul mentions the gospel in his first letter to the Thessalonians, where he says the gospel is that Jesus came, He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day, soon and very soon. That's the gospel, the good news. And that's what being saved means. I'm being saved from what? We, we throw that around. Yeah, I'm saved. You are? What are you saved from? Oh, hell for all eternity. How so? Because God so loved the world and me in the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe would not perish in hell for all eternity, but have everlasting life. That's why. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, we do these ABCs of salvation only because it's a very simple explanation of salvation. It's not the only 
way to share the gospel, the good news, and how to be saved. But it's one way, and it's a very simple way. And it's actually even simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. But the A is what usually precedes the B, and that's this acknowledging, this admitting, this coming to the place of realization that I'm a sinner. And as a sinner, I need a Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one is good. You might be a good person, I don't question that, but you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. It's an archery term, to sin. You miss the bullseye. You fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness, and we've all sinned and fall short. Now what are we going to do about it? Well, that's where Romans 6.23 comes in. And it starts out with the bad news first, which is basically the death penalty. For the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. We've all been sentenced to death. That's the bad news. Now you're ready for the good news? The good news is that the gift of God, gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why we do the ABCs. It's just a simple explanation. That's all it is. Don't, don't make it into a formula. Don't, don't create a to-do list out of it. Man, I, I, when I came to Christ, th this is how it went down, <laughs> basically. But if you would have told me this is, you know, what you just did, I, I would have been, huh? I mean, first of all, it was, I mean, as simple as ABC. No, I just prayed and believed and put my trust in the Lord. And I fell asleep that way. And I woke up the next morning, and I was a new creation in Christ. And I was saved, and I was born again of the Spirit of God. And now I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me. And here's the thing, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to check off any boxes. I didn't have to take a shower before I came to take a bath. I haven't used that one for a while. I'll, I'll give you a moment on that one. I didn't have to clean up my act. No, I came to Him, a sinner. <laughs> and as my Savior, He saved me. He saved me. And this is the B, and it's so central. And please, again, don't make it a formula. With the A, get to the B. And then when we get to the C, it's because of the B. It's really as simple as B. Believe. <laughs> Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then the C, lastly, is for call or confess with your mouth the name of the Lord. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and 
believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why, and this is key, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10, 13 lastly says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I come back to this justified word? I love that word. It's a cool word. You know why? Because it's one of those words that says what it really is. I'm justified. You know what that means? Just if I'd never sinned. That's a cool word. <laughs> I'm justified. Just if I'd never sinned. Because again, Isaiah, by the Spirit, says that he, though our sins be as scarlet, he makes them white as snow, and he removes them as far as the east is from the west, and remembers them no more. It's just if I'd never sinned. How does that work? Well, that's the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Because see, Jesus took your sin and my sin upon Himself, and He paid for it, and it cost Him everything, and He purchased us. It's like when you redeem something, we are redeemed. He paid the price in full. We are purchased by His blood. We are not our own, but purchased with a price. He paid the price, and then He offers us the gift that He paid for. And a gift is, I know this is deeply profound, but a gift is a gift, <laughs> not a purchase. Because if you pay for it, it's no longer a gift, it's a purchase. No, He purchased it. And He offers it to us as a gift that we receive, that He paid for that He purchased. Before I end with the but God testimony for today, I just want to say again, lastly, please, I, I make no assumptions for anyone here in this church that I'm so privileged to pastor, nor for anyone who might be watching online, which by the way is why you're watching online. The Lord led you to this video because today is the day of salvation. Please, please, please do not delay or put off the most important decision of your life for eternal life. Well, we've been ending with these testimonies, which have been just so greatly encouraging. Today's comes from C.J. Torres, who writes, Dear Pastor J.D., I was listening to testimonies you've been relaying in your prophecy updates of the myriad of ways God has rescued people from mandates and the consequences thereof. I thought I'd add what God has done for me regarding this as well, even if it's just for your encouragement. When the mandate was first announced in my place of employment in the eastern coast of mainland U.S. back in September, I decided right then and there that I would seek an exemption, but also 
be prepared to lose my employment if it was rejected. Praise the Lord that my exemption was granted, but on the condition that I needed to subject to the weekly testing starting after the new year. I was still not happy about it because I was convinced that said testing was useless and just medical theater. But I thought I'd go ahead with it and see how it goes. Well, I asked God if there's a way He could possibly deliver me. Oh, by the way, whenever you say, God, if there's a way that you could possibly, there's a heavenly hush. Quiet. He just, he just prayed it. He just said it. Did you hear that? If it's possible. Oh, oh is it impossible for you? <laughs> Perfect. Because if it's still possible for you, it's impossible for me, because you're still trying to do it in the energy of your own strength. I don't mean to preach a sermon in sharing this testimony. I'll get back to it. But this is maybe for somebody here today. He's the God of the impossible. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You know, sometimes I'm just as guilty of it as the next guy. <laughs> we pray too low. We, we pray too small. I think of all the times in the Gospels where we read that Jesus, gently by the way, not angrily, would <laughs> say to the disciples, Oh, ye of little faith. Why is your faith so little when your God is so big? So Lord, if, if it's possible, did you really just pray that? Is it possible? Watch me now. And He did it. I asked God if there's a way He could possibly deliver me from this weekly annoyance as well. And the week before I was scheduled to start undergoing this test, we were told to work from home again for a few weeks due to an increase in cases in the office. Then, before we were supposed to head back to the office again, I was offered out of the blue to move to a different position where it's working remotely for a year and no weekly testing is required. I love it when God does that. That's how things stand for now. But I just wanted to share with you how God delivered me from something I felt deeply was so unnecessary, and just a way really to punish the unjabbed. Thank you for your messages that help uplift our weary souls and encourage us to keep pressing on towards the prize of our Savior's soon return, Maranatha. Gopono, come on up. Please stand. Yes. Praise the Lord. Maybe you too are crying out to the Lord to deliver you from a situation that you find yourself in. I want to encourage you. God hears. God sees. God knows. God cares. God knew that need even before you needed it. And He's at the ready. And all you have to do is ask and trust and believe. Believe God to do the impossible. God, you're the God of the impossible, and this is impossible. So can you do this? Oh, 
Yes, I can. There's nothing impossible for me. I can do it, and I can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could have ever imagined. Would you just trust me to do that? And watch what I'm going to do. And God will always do it in His way, in His time, and for His glory. You just wait and trust in the Lord and see what He's going to do. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, this is heavy stuff <laughs> again. But Lord, thank you. Because it's just yet another much needed reminder of just how close we are. Lord, please encourage the discouraged, strengthen the weary, and more importantly, save the lost. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God be with you this week. In Jesus' name.